Hey friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cheekast episode 72. And this is the first time I've done something like this, so hopefully you enjoy it. I am on with three guests. I've done two. Two is my max um, with a couple cool pastors I know. And now I have three men who are cisgender men, and it's important to say that, and we're going to be speaking in gendered language, and there may be adult language, so I just want to be clear to keep the littles out of um, listening to this particular podcast because the subject matter is sensitive. So I brought on three men to talk about sexual assault and sexual harassment for a reason. Women historically have been overwhelmingly the survivors of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Um, Many of you know or have participated or read the hashtag MeToo. I don't know if it was a social media campaign, but it actually started 10 years ago with a black activist and she started that hashtag. Um, And it's since been gained revival, I guess, because of what's been happening in Hollywood historically. And so the three men that are on this particular podcast, Daniel Jacobs, Stephen Sneed, and Sean Neal, are three men that I know um, personally. Um, They're friends, and I have seen them stand up and speak out um, against sexual harassment and sexual assault and have used their male privilege appropriately from from where I sit. And so I understand that some people, this may be triggering if you feel, why are men talking about this? And the reason I have them on, and I feel very firm about this, to talk about this is because women have historically been speaking out about this and (laughs) things haven't changed. Every 92 seconds, someone's sexually assaulted. And that is staggering. And so as a result, I think that men need to hear from men what they can do to stop this. So welcome to the podcast. That was not the flowery welcome I typically do, but it's because of the subject matter. So I just wanted to welcome all three of you. I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us on. Thanks. Totally. So I guess I will start with, I'll start with you, Daniel. Um, I've known you the shortest amount of time and the reason I thought you would be a great addition. And I just kind of want to hear from your perspective, what made you do what I'm going to kind of describe to listeners, um, how kind of the divine allowed our past to cross. So we have a mutual friend, um, in common. One of my best friends is also one of your best friends. And she had posted, um, her name is Stephanie, she had posted something on Facebook about um, what was happening in Hollywood. And there was a white male who essentially made it about him. And you spoke up and spoke out and amplified the voices of the women that were in the thread. But I just wanted to know, like, why, how, you know, how did you feel like that was your place or, you know, that sort of thing? What, what ran through your mind when you started the thread emerge? 
we were talking about um, the guy who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there was a guy who um, he wanted to kind of fact check about why Twitter shut down um, someone's account. Oh, that's right. Said, that was about the whole. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. This must have been um, bad because he's because everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah so it yeah, was yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> it was the it was the Harvey Weinstein, you know, kind of what started to shake out about how this is known behavior for him, and so Twitter had shut down a woman's account um, because she had posted a phone number, and so this guy was kind of defending it a little bit it sounded like and so daniel you stepped in okay yeah i was just making sure we're talking about the right thing there's been a lot of uh conversations recently sure um i don't know i mean i i don't think i really thought about it at the time to be perfectly honest i just saw number one i saw a man not listening uh, i can't remember exactly what his stance was but he he had some stance that he wasn't being heard and I'm looking at this thread going back 10 hours. And I'm saying, this guy, he's not even like, it's obviously a very, very touchy subject for a lot of people. And instead of taking a stance as a man and realizing, okay, there's probably, there's clearly people who are telling you, I am triggered by what you're saying. He's not taking that and going, okay, well, then maybe I need to kind of relax a little bit. Maybe I need to listen. Maybe it's not about me right now. So, number one, he's messing with, with, one of my closest friends, you don't do that. Number two, I didn't see a single guy stepping in and saying anything. So for me, I wanted to make sure he knew that there was someone supporting these women who very eloquently had handled him. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they did not need my help at all in the situation. He had already been very uh, eloquently told what's up and just wasn't getting it. So I was just trying to shut him down so he would just realize it's enough. Totally. It's true. And the hard thing is, is that with abuse, um, whether it's assault or harassment, I think that there's been such a normalization. I mean, I was scrolling through my own feed and I'm sure you all were too. And I, I do want to get a sense from you what it felt like to go through your feed and see all these me twos. Um, but it is normal. Uh, it has become normal. I'm not justifying it and I don't find that acceptable. I am stating a fact though, that a lot of survivors do not feel comfortable speaking out because of the behavior and the victim shaming and the victim blaming. So Stephen, you, had posted so Stephen posts questions that's one of the reasons I reached out to him initially um, and he was on episode 48 so I reached out to him because he writes these questions that are oftentimes really hilarious so we were talking about <laughs> the current administration on the pre-call and so one of the questions that I will never forget that Stephen wrote was if you're on a first date, what do you do if you find out that the person that you're on a date with voted for Trump? And <laughs> the thread, like, I mean, in these questions, friends have hundreds of comments below them. Like, he just asked these questions, and it's so funny, some of what is said. 
So last week, Stephen, you wrote a question, right? And it was directed yeah. to men. What was yeah. the question and why did you pose that question? So, you know, when I, first of all, I saw like, I think on the news, the hashtag me too campaign. And then I saw it. And then a lot of times when you see things on the news, it's kind of like disconnected from your own individual reality. So it's like, sure. okay, it's happening to those people over there in that town and that country and that demographic and that region. And so I saw that in the news, you know, that morning I'm like, man, that's, that's messed up. I mean, I, but, but thank them for, for being brave and speaking out. And then when I hopped on Facebook, like throughout the day, like I started seeing a whole bunch of hashtag me too's like on my timeline, like people that I know that I've known for years or people that I know exclusively through uh, Facebook, you know, and, and I have a lot of um, Facebook connections. And so I just, I kept seeing it like hashtag me too. And I'm and even in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh, her, whoa like this is so messed up so the first part of that i was like you know i want to live in a world where there's no more hashtag me too's and i very much believe um in being the change that you want to see in the world so embracing the gandhi um so i just sort of asked the question um what can or what should men do to protect women um, and, and not to be, you know, traditional or mm -hmm. patriarchal, but I think, <laughs> you know, if men are the perpetrators, for the most part, of these hashtag me too's, then I think it's our problem to tackle. I don't think it's necessarily a, a woman's job. Like, I, you know, you hear the reflexive, oh, you shouldn't have worn that yeah. or you shouldn't have been there and you know you were leading him on i think that's total crap um and you can swear on this to, podcast too if you feel the need to yep yep absolutely and and i think you know guys we a we got to own our own behavior but then b we got to check our homeboys who are, are even kind of in that same sort of line and so that's why i was just sort of wondering and that was a question, you know, how, how, how can men protect women? What should men be doing to protect well, women? Because clearly we're not, if, if I have all of these hashtag me too's that are popping up on my timeline, again, not, you know, trending on MSNBC, sure. trending on my freaking timeline, then what do people like me and in my immediate circle need to do? And so, you know, there were some interesting responses to that. Well, you know, I think this is going to be the spot where I hop in, and I might be running across the grain here, right? But in my in my travels, doing um, in my youth touring in very high end professional music and, and theater productions, and and work I do now where I cross paths with um, high power women or women who are in um, decision maker roles. I think I could speak universally that all of them would want to punch any man in the, directly in the nose that even suggested the question, what do we need to do to protect women? I think that, um, I think that most women who are 
confident and empowered, and I'm thinking this is most women in, in the planet, don't need men to protect them. They need men to not rape them and not assault them. You know, they need institutions to not have the deck stacked against them. But I think they can protect themselves just fine. And um, illustrate a story, right, where um, a documentary I'm working on is covering um, a, a famous magazine that covered music uh, in the 60s and 70s, um, based out of Detroit, but it was a national magazine, right? And, you know, if you, if you take a look at this magazine, you know, on the surface, it is clearly of its time and misogynistic. You know, there's, you know, you're talking about a magazine that, that broke people like Kiss and, and uh, the Ramones and Led Zeppelin, who are, you know, the stories about how they, those are bands treated women are notorious, right? Um, but what most people don't realize is women were always the editors of that magazine. Women were always in, you know, the decision maker roles in that magazine. And to this day, as we're, we're examining that, you know, 30, 40 years later, um, none of them are apologetic about, you know, how they conducted themselves and what they put on the pages. You know, in fact, they, they were very clearly and historically some of the, the, the first women to take lead roles in publishing. And those were very conscious choices they made, you know, eyes wide open about what they were putting on their pages, what it said about the culture and, and as journalists, how it reflected the culture. But to, to a person, none of them then or now needed protection. So I, I think, you know, what, what we're talking about here is, you know, how men need to check their own behavior and kind of let go of the notion that men need to do something to solve the problem for women. I don't think that's, that's necessarily the path that's going to, to be successful here. It's more about individual behavior, individual choices, and, you know, people in charge of institutions and setting the culture for institutions, taking a look inwardly and saying, are, are we perpetuating a culture? that promotes um, these types of abuses and, and that hides these types of abuses. And I think you can see Hollywood at this very moment is, you know, going through some upheaval as they look inward. And, um, you know, news just flashed as we're talking here, that Netflix is canceling a Kevin Spacey show. You know, <laughs> that's, that's um, I think it's part of the, the, the corrections that are being made. Um, to kind of deal with these things, but I, I, I bump very hard at the notion that the women, the men, need to do something to protect women from this. No, no, no. So men just need to stop raping and abusing. I That's agree. A personal choice. I, I agree wanna, with I wanna, that. Wanna, yeah, clarify, and then yeah, I want to, I want to push back on that just a little bit, and I want us to really expand our idea or our use of the word protect because there was. When I asked that question, and I got a lot of responses, there was, I think, out of like the dozens and dozens of responses, there was one person who was a male who pretty much said what, what you said, like women don't need, you know, guys to protect them, you know, they need to stand up for themselves, you know, they need guys to not rape them. Yes, 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 yes. But I really want us to, to expand our notion of protect. Like we're not talking about, you know, men 
being uh, unsolicited bodyguards of, of women. No, 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 no. In a much bigger context, we have to help create an environment where these, this type of behavior is not okay. Because let's be honest and let's be really dirty. Even, you know, in, in adolescent youth and in childhood, so where some of these behaviors begin to manifest, there is sometimes a culture within the, in the male realm that that sort of behavior or language or thinking is okay. And it's encouraged by our male peer group. I mean, if you take a look at, you know, unfortunately, our current president, right, with uh, what is it, well, the Hollywood story. And he talked about, you know, grabbing women by the da-da-da all they want. And, and everybody who's on that bus is like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, you can just do what you want, right? And then it's excused by the public as locker room talk. Like, this is what guys do. Okay, pause on that whole thing. Guys got to stop doing that. We have to help create that environment where these things are not okay. Is this a thing that we're going to solve for women? Of course not, right? But I'm talking about what is our role in doing that? And I think aside from, well, I individually am going to not rape women, um, I think we can, we as men can do a heck of a lot more than that. And again, that's just one uh, sort of macro example. How, what, how do I create an environment where, um, again, in my peer group, where it's not okay if a guy is sexually assaulting a woman, a woman or taking advantage of her? How do I make sure that that, um, that, that will be frowned upon and, and even reported and if a woman in my circle, you know, says something that I'm going to take steps to protect her and not shame her, how do I actively create that environment? And that's where most people on my page, at least when I ask that question, sort of landed with ideas about, you know, what is it that men can do? What's the appropriate role for a guy? Well, I think, I think that this, this has already been examined and the answer is already in front of us, right? So. I think that until the conversation shifts away from sexual dynamics to power dynamics and institution dynamics, we're, we're going to be missing the mark. And, and I'll make a couple of examples here, right? Um, I, I forget the, the name of the movie, but uh, Jodie Foster won her first Academy Award, or probably her second Academy Award for it. it it's a a movie based on an, a true life event where um, this woman was raped in a uh, game room behind a bar. I'm sure we, we all remember it. Um, and, you know, the power dynamic there that was at play was, you know, a group of men, right? A group of men in an environment, a woman alone, and they were kind of egging each other on, kind of the, the similar social dynamics that happen, you know, in riots. And, you know, to some degree, you know, especially in my youth touring in these, these, you know, musical productions in highly male driven environments. I mean, you know, the, there was that type of group male mindset to a lot of things that would happen. Um, you know, we never raped anyone in, a, in the back of a, a bar, but you know, there's definitely that locker room talk and, and the way we, we communicate with each other and the, the crassness of our communication with each other is present. Right. So, I think that's when you're in that environment, you know, th there's a, there's a conscious choice you can make of saying this is not okay. 
and, and put a stop to that. And that's, that's a choice that we can make on the small level. You know, when, when we're seeing, you know, treatments or, or behaviors or, or group dynamics on that level, you know, um, but on the bigger level, I mean, we, we, we look at what, what do people like Harvey Weinstein and Donald Trump and Spacey and any number of other, um, you know, the kid that, that, that raped the girl behind the dumpster and basically got a slap on the wrist. Right. Mm-hmm. Like what are, what are the, the dynamics that are, are in play there are power and money. Right. Women, women were put into compromising positions with Harvey Weinstein because he held the keys to their future. And, and a lot of women endured experiences far, far beyond what any normal person would endure with Weinstein because, you know, some degree he's the gatekeeper to a career in Hollywood, you know? So they were put in a position because of a power dynamic of making a choice between career or personal safety, you know, and, you know, the Kevin Spacey story is starting to kind of unravel, but it appears to be a very similar um, conversation there where, you know, because of a power dynamic of minors putting in a position you never should be put in. Um, and, and, people who abuse take advantage of that, you know? So it's really not a Republican Democrat or a, we hate Trump. So let's go on this level or, you know, it's, it's really about power and money and that transcends um, ideology. So I want to interject here um, because both of you and Daniel at the outset raised some great points. Um, yes. Women don't necessarily need, protection in that way and at the same time there has to be I wrote a piece called the podium of privilege and if I have privilege whatever the privilege is in it is not for me it is my responsibility to be of service to people that don't hold that particular privilege and so in my case if you know, or in you all's case, really, the reason I had you on is because you're not women and I'm not a man. And so I can speak up all the time. And I do part of my work, part of my life's work is speaking up and smashing the stigma around sexual assault and domestic violence in particular, um, amongst other things. And so I speak up about it. I I'm very clear that it, there are men that are um, survivors of domestic violence. There are men who are survivors of sexual assault and sexual harassment, right? And again, we're speaking in gendered language here. So it's not just, and there are women that perpetrate these crimes as well. That said, the statistics aren't demonstrative of women being the perpetrators overall. <coughs> men are. And so that's why it's important for men to do their part and not rape, not sexually harass, to speak up against it. When, because if I'm sexually harassed, there are people that, I mean, no one in my circle, but there might be someone in an outer circle that would say, well, you should take it as a compliment. It's because you're, you're attractive. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. You know, I know what it means in English because I understand the English language, but what is that, you know? And there was an article that floated through social media and the woman was the perpetrator. And 
it was just kind of giving people were giving this man reasons for why it wasn't what it was, which was sexual harassment, you know, and those are things that women have heard over, you know, for centuries, right? Definitely decades. Um, You know, and to your point, Sean, about power play, you know, positions of power. So is this a partisan issue? No, it's not. It's a human rights issue. Um, And at the same time, I see what I see and I know what the numbers show. And so a lot of these men that we're talking about are white men in power, you know, and to the point, to the point of this Me Too campaign didn't just start last week. It started 10 years ago. And I want to name the black activist, um, this woman, Tarana Burke. I want us to remember her name because Alyssa Milano started it and it ran like wildfire, but it was started 10 years ago. You know, so for 10 years, she started it and was talking about Me Too and other women were saying Me Too, Me Too, Me Too. And one of my dear friends, she was saying, okay, this is great. And she was like, I don't mean to minimize this. And at the same time, what are we going to do about this? Because we can say me too all day long, but now what, you know, (laughs) because I don't want to come back again next year and someone started again because something else happened again. And we're just flipping through our feeds saying me too. Like we need to do something. And I agree with being the change that I wish to see. Um, And I also am not interested in being, you know, sexually assaulted. Again, you know, I'm not. Um, and I know people who I didn't, I personally didn't write me too because I had other, I, I just, I, I wasn't in the, I didn't want to, you know, even though it applies to me. Um, and it was disheartening to see all of that and to read people's stories if they chose to get into their stories. Um, I had a moment last week actually with Steph who, where I was realizing that my own experience of sexual abuse as a child constituted sexual assault. And I'm an advocate, you know, and it didn't dawn on me because I had minimized my own experience. I had stuffed my own experience and I was just like, whoa, you know, and the tears came and the grief came. So this is definitely, I understand if people are triggered and that is not our intention. Our intention is to talk about this. And this is just the beginning of the conversation. Um, we are going to need to wrap up. Um, so it sounds like we have work to do, right? We have work to do and a lot of work. And to your point, um, I don't know who mentioned it. Um, I think, Daniel, you were talking about listening, you know, and hearing people's experiences. That's incredibly important. Um, Doing your best not to dominate a conversation, especially when it's not related to you, but listening. I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and he is a white man, and he used the N-word. He dropped the ER at the end of it and he added an A, which nope. to me is exactly <laughs> Sean's like, um, I was nope. like, hell no, you know, and I was, on the play. <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> and I said, um, no, you did not do that, you know, and we talked and I said, how about you just listen? That might be a good start. I'm, you care about me. I'm your friend and you know that I'm a sane person, even if I was insane, right? I'm a human being 
and you believe that what I'm saying, my experience is valid, and you validated my experience. So you cannot go back and say, well, da 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 insert false equivalency. No, you know, my experience is my experience. And that's one thing that I appreciate about you, Daniel, is like, you were willing to be quiet and you spoke up when you needed to speak up. And Stephen, you know, asking the question about what can men do, because this is an issue, you know, that men can participate in. They can stop the madness, stop raping, stop sexually um, harassing, you know, and cultivating a culture, even within their friend circles, you know, and, and young boys that are growing up, right? How people, I, I, how do I put it? If I'm in a romantic relationship, when I'm in a romantic relationship, I teach my partner to respect me based on how I allow myself to be treated, right? And vice versa. And so I respect the person I'm in a relationship with and he respects me because we have, we, because we first both respect what ourselves individually, but then it, it crosses over. And so working with my nephews, not working with them, but spending time with my nephews, I'll say to them sometimes, do you need, did you want a time out? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, I think you do because your actions are showing me that I think that's what you want. Maybe that's what you need, you know? And I do talk to them like they're just little people because that's what they are. And so (laughs) that is, you know, helping to develop this relationship. And so when men are speaking to women in a respectful way and, you know, demonstrating that or having that pattern in the home or even in their, you know, circles or within a family, that continues to grow just like the disrespect can continue to grow. And, you know, to your point, Sean, about women being empowered, yes, totally agree. And policies need to change, like legislation needs to change. Um, The education secretary, if that's what we're calling her, um, she's (laughs) attempting to roll back some of the provisions and protections for women students who have been sexually assaulted. Um, And that is where we need to stand up and speak out against this. Facts, your representatives, your Congress people, 50409, I've memorized it. You just have to text 50409, <laughs> resist, R-E-S-I-S-T, and they will set you up. They'll have you enter your zip code, and then you can fax your Congress people. Super easy. You can say whatever you want to say to them, and they will get it, and they will fax it to you. I don't know how it works. It's like magic, but you get to do your part. So I'm so grateful for y'all. And I am really grateful that you chose to spend a, what is it? Monday night here on the podcast. So thank you all for being on here. Absolutely. Thank you. Sure thing. All right. So, Oh, I felt like I was on a, at a pulpit. (laughs) I need my church fan. Church. Right. Okay. So. All right. We're reading from Humans of New York. And there's to be a young woman. It says, I was on a leadership team in fifth grade. 
At the end of the year, we were supposed to take a trip to Washington, D.C. We held fundraisers and everything, but when it was time to go, I didn't have the identification papers to buy a plane ticket. So our teacher, Miss Rivera, decided that we take a bus just so I could go to. The trip changed my life. It made me want to be a lawyer. And Ms. Rivera became one of the closest people in my life. She always kept in touch. She basically watched me grow up. One time in high school, I got in a huge fight with my mom and Ms. Rivera came and took me on a long car ride. I started to tell her everything. I told her about a recent breakup and how I smoked weed and I did this and I did that. She just listened to everything. Then she started telling me about her life too. She told me that she'd been in an abusive relationship. I'd always thought her life was perfect because she was a guidance counselor, but she'd been through so much too. When it was time, to, when it was time to apply for college, Ms. Rivera was the one who helped me apply for DACA. She told me about the Dream.us scholarship. I didn't even want to apply. I was ready to give up. I just accepted that I'd always work in restaurants like my mom. But Ms. Rivera made me apply. She said, what happened to that girl who wanted to be a lawyer? I learned that I got the scholarship in February. They're paying for my entire college. Ms. Rivera was so proud of me, and she kept saying, I told you so. That was a nice story. Nice. Awesome. All right. So thank you all, friends, for listening, for supporting this podcast, downloading it, subscribing to it, sharing it. I appreciate your love and support. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, there is only one of us. So thanks so much for listening. My name is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast. She casts episode 72. Have a gratitude-filled day. Until next time, namaste.